before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline continues to remain your number one place for all your betting needs and sports info as we head into the heart of Major League Baseball season. Head to their website or use your mobile device to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Yes. Very nice. So I, so I think I'm, um, well, no, I am. As of tonight, I'm unemployed. Um, and I think I can cross off mechanic as list of my next jobs because I can't fix my car. <laughs> oh, you're in your garage right now? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. So you're unemployed now? Um, as of 6 p.m., I think I am. No, I am, as of 6 p.m. Okay. Unfortunate to hear. Yeah, well, COVID's over, apparently. COVID's over for good? Your COVID job has passed? My COVID job is over because everyone just gets it now. So what's the point in having a department that tries to stop it? That is that is depressing to hear out loud, even though I know it's the case, because over here in the U.S., our government killed about a million people from COVID. So I guess in the yeah, same well, point. We, we certainly haven't done that, but um, we're not. We had, I think we had 10,000 cases yesterday, maybe something ridiculous like that, which is huge for us. But we're just going to let people get it because we have easy and available access to vaccines. And we can say to hell with all the other precautions, even though it's more transmittable than any other virus that we have. Well, not any other virus, but most of the important airborne viruses. Yeah. So we currently have 9,800 deaths. And that's in total or in a time period? No total. I see. I see. That's pretty good. I mean, even adjusting for population size, that's still pretty good. You guys have done a great job with all the COVID safety protections. That was a big thing, obviously, last year we were talking about that. Yeah, well, well, now that we don't care and I don't have a job, everyone's just, it's a free-for-all. But we have a very high vaccination rate, so how long can you keep enforcing something? What is your guys' vaccination rate? Um, um, now I've got to Google that too. Um, vaccination. Making you do right. research on the spot, not great. Um, Australia. Uh, 87% of the population have had at least one dose. That'd probably be that over a certain age, I guess. Yeah, probably. Um, but I mean, even if immunity has died down, at least that's still pretty good. Yeah, so percentage of population fully vaccinated is 84%. Nice. That's pretty dang good relative to like America where it's like 67%. That's still pretty dang good. Well, when you implement so many restrictions on people that they, if they're not vaccinated, they can't go to sporting events or they can't go to concerts, they can't go to restaurants, people kind of get in line. What a wild idea. Yeah. Or or they like fake certificates and stuff, but um, they're the minority. I know. This is what I was arguing for last year and everyone thought it was weird. I'm like, no, make it so people can't go to work without a vaccine. Make it as uncomfy as possible for people so they will be incentivized to get vaccines. And that didn't happen. Like McDonald's workers... Like everyone from front of house, re- retail, um, all teachers have to be triple vaxxed. Like nurses, you can't work for the government if you're not vaccinated. I don't know. Yeah. And even like because I've been applying for jobs, I have to like include my vaccination status on my job applications. 
How refreshing. A government that actually takes accountability for people in public health. Wow. Uh, I think it was more on um, state levels that that happened. Um, because oh, federal, federally, um, yeah, so our COVID response was led by the states, not by our federal government, because they did nothing other than close the border to China and then sit back and wait to see what happened. But then like, states, the states closed their state borders to each other and wouldn't let each other in for months. And even like one of the states only opened up like two or three months ago to the rest wow. of us. That's really been locked interesting. Out all that time. Mm-hmm. But wow. they're like the really, they're, they're, they're the really far one away anyway. So like they're isolated as fuck. So they had no, like hardly any COVID at all until they opened the borders a couple of months But that's ago. why they kept the borders closed was to keep COVID out. Yeah. But at the end of the day, how long can you imprison people? If you, if you've, given them vaccinations, given the opportunity to get vaccinated, given the people who are wanting to come and visit their family members there, they had to be vaccinated. The answer is long enough to keep you employed for a few more months. Yeah, well, game over. And that's okay. Like, I've, I've ridden this gravy train as far as it can go. Now it's time to find another job, which um, I probably should have started looking earlier than yesterday. Whoops. Probably so, but you'll do fine. Yep. You are oh, you capable can. and incredible oh. at doing your thing. <laughs> well, yeah, if only I knew what my thing was, then it would be a lot easier to find another job. But well, you can start with your thing being living. You're pretty good at that. I haven't died yet. Um, but Relatively thriving. Uh, no, no, surviving. We survive, we don't thrive. Um but I applied for a job yesterday that I really want. And so I was just like, why bother applying for other jobs that I don't really want? I want that one. So, I so you're to- just hoping that one works out? Yeah, fuck yeah. I did that at the start. Now, fortunately, I had like six months to figure this thing out before I graduated school. So it was kind of the same idea where I'm like, this job is amazing. I'm going to only apply for this. And then I immediately got rejected. I was like, oh, damn. Okay, let's be less picky. Reject, reject, reject. And I was like, ah, damn. Okay, let's let's be less, less, less picky. But it was good to figure out where I stood in the pecking order of things. In the meantime, like I'm happy to do absolutely anything like as a whatever. I'll send you $10 for this podcast. No, we're not at that stage yet. It's okay. Um, I know, but we're, we only make like 150 bucks a month and technically you do like a podcast every two weeks. So I think it's, I think you deserve one fifteenth of our, of our pay here. Wow. It's really kind of you, Carl. Um, I might, I might, I might need that soon. Um, So I, I really want this job and I would be good at it. And I think I've got the qualifications to do it. So we'll just wait and see. In the meantime, I found 17 jobs today that I saved on Seek. And I'll contemplate applying for them. Very cool. I think that at least you have 17 jobs that you found that you'd be interested in. Yeah. And that was just using like one search word that I like that relates to something I've done before. But like, all skills are interchangeable. Once you've done one job, you can transfer those skills to an like I've I've figured out that I could do anything. Because once I you've have, seen one tree, you've seen them all, Billy Gill. You know what? If you know how to solve a problem, you know how to solve a problem. Doesn't matter what the problem is, you know how to solve a problem. If you can think logically, you can solve a problem. Well, doesn't matter yes. what it is. Doesn't matter if it's an airplane or if it's a homeless person with COVID or whether it's well not a car because I can't fucking fix that but some things just take more time than others yeah I've, I reckon I've almost read the instruction manual and I still it, it doesn't tell you what to do stupid manual stupid manual <sighs> maybe I should have not left my car unused for six months Whoops. 
that oh. <laughs> happens to the best of us. Now we pay the price. <sighs> Something will happen. Something will save me. That's what happens in life. Swings mm-hmm. around about. Something will save you, or you'll die before that happens. But even still, then you won't you won't be able to notice it. Or I'll just stand in the driveway and cry until somebody comes and helps me. <laughs> what happened to the resiliency and problem solving you were just talking about? That is, Kyle, that is problem solving. If I stand in the driveway and cry, somebody will come and fix the problem. <laughs> that, that, there, there, right there is an example of my ability to delegate. But how will those skills translate to this job that you want? <laughs> Easily. I can, I can ask for assistance. I can delegate tasks when I'm when somebody else is better suited to complete them. <laughs> yes, I but that's my, I know that's leadership. That is a, that's a leadership job, is what you're looking for. <laughs> Kyle, I'm a leader. I'm a leader in life. Some are born to follow. Some are born to lead. But you're I'm a leader. For, I'm, I am a leader. Absolutely. Yes, you are. I, 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 I lead people astray most of the time, but that's still leading. Cult leaders are also leaders. Oh yeah, I watched. I started watching um, a um, a Netflix series yesterday on a not a cult, but um, on a polygamist sect. I don't know I'm what afraid. the right terminology is, uh, but I, I, I'm in, I'm intrigued. By uh, polygamous marriage, like just by the concept or by these stories. What could be worse than having one wife, having more than one wife? Uh, It's just people who want to have a lot of sex, right? That's kind of the whole point of the like polygamous relationship. You can have a lot of sex without getting married. If you don't get married, you can have a lot of sex too. Um, and then you that's true, but then women. then we're digging into like polyamory and stuff like that, which I, I yeah, feel like is different yeah, than I, like what you're no. talking about with polygamous no. like cult relationships. I, no, these people aren't doing it for the sex, they're doing it because they're ta- they're indoctrinated and taught that it will bring them closer to God. What the people that I watched yesterday, if they had if they got to having three wives, then they'd like master of the universe, they could create universes and galaxies and stuff like that that's what that's what happened when if you got to having three wives i'm afraid to watch some of those cult type documentaries because i feel like some of the parallels will remind me too much of my love of the levitard show i don't give a shit i'm I'm not marrying any of them but i'm happy to be in that cult whatever yeah but it's still a cult and i feel like i'm afraid of acknowledging that i'm part of a cult it's my form of organized religion of sorts. Kyle, Kyle, did you have a reaction last week when my name was in the title of a podcast because you're a part of a cult? Yes. Yes. Nothing Do that would make me hate- want to have multiple wives, but yes. It makes me want to hate South Africa. <laughs> uh, I still didn't listen to the show. I'm getting to it. <laughs> Oh, well, you could you can skip. I don't know. Uh, at least an hour or two of today. For people who don't know, because we're kind of just having a conversation at this point, so to fill in the audience, like twenty minutes into this thing, um, so Morgan was Hi, the, the. I'm Morgan. <laughs> Morgan was the uh, titular character in an episode of the Lebetard show last week with a debate over uh, South Africa and I it, you should explain it because I haven't listened to it but I saw Morgan's oh, no, name in the title I was like oh my god that's amazing yeah despite only appearing in the last 10 minutes of the episode I managed to make the title um which was shocking to me because I was only I, I only joined the zoom call towards the end but it was Wake and Take on Stupidity. And some, a, Duke from, a guy named Duke from South Africa called, joined the Zoom, and his take was that Australia is overrated as a country that we have contributed nothing to the world, apparently. Um, 
um, I didn't ask for his bona fides as to what positive things South Africa has contributed because um, nothing. Um, In fact, actively and, actively harming the world. That's what the only thing I know yeah. about South Africa is active harm done to the world. Correct. So firstly, even though I didn't feel the need to attack him at the time, he anyone shouldn't be throwing stones as to who, which country has contributed positively or negatively to the world. Um, but you decided to take but, the high road. Well, no, I just kept calling you an idiot and um, and, def- and just trying to prop up my country. Well, Yeah, but you took the high road of not bringing my, up their slavery caste no. system that existed until no. 1992 when you were a child. No, I, I Exactly right. I did not bring up apartheid. I did, I did not bring up Nelson Mandela. I did not bring up anything like that. I didn't mention anything to do with their situation that they have over there, um, or the fact that they're insufferable assholes when they travel. But no, I did not attack South Africans at all. I just joined the call because I got woken up at six a.m. to say. Somebody's talking shit about Australia and Billy wants you to join the Zoom. So I joined the Zoom. And, yeah, he he started his call before I'd even joined it um, with, uh, like, trying to uh, – no, I don't want to offend Morgan. Like, she's a great contributor to the show, but I'm going to attack her country. <laughs> so you so clapped back. Well, I had to. I, as the foreign correspondent of Australia, I was w- awoken from my slumber. The bat signal went out well, from the cult, <laughs> from a, a fellow cult member who said, wake up, you're needed. And, um, yeah. So and at, and at the becking and call, you were there to deliver your spicy takes. There I was to just defend and provide the bona fides of well, I didn't really defend Sydney or Perth because they're boring, but I defended Melbourne, which really does elevate Australia to a great place, um, just by giving our sporting bona fides. Um, and yeah, and then they had a a, uh, a vote, <laughs> a vote amongst the people that were on Wake and Take, and Billy and Stugots voted, and yeah. That's how it became Duke versus Morgan because they brought somebody on at the end who was the deciding vote who had no idea what had happened or what the argument was. He just had to pick Duke or Morgan. Did they vote Morgan? That, well, as soon as that happened, I knew I was going to win because he didn't know who Duke was, but he might have known who I was. So I was like, sweet. Don't want to spoil it. Have to listen. You got to go listen to find out. Right. I'm getting to you it. You only have to listen to the last 10 minutes. Last 10 minutes? That's how you got I the name. About that. Yeah. All right. That's Go what happened. For the win. For the win. But yeah. Um, so once again, Billy Gill was an agent of chaos and creating problems, but still love him. I don't remember him always being this person. Like I've been watching the show for like on and off five years now. And I don't remember him always being this agent of chaos. It feels like it's more of a recent thing. I feel like it's something that he probably just did in the background, like where he would like push other people to make fools of themselves, but do it quietly or off air. But now he's but his just persona really, used to be like rambler with no like real personality stories. And it was like, Okay, but now you're this confident, swaggering agent of chaos. Yeah, I think like, well, when Mina was around, like Mina used to pick on Billy because she sensed his weakness, and he was the only one that was weaker than her. But <laughs> now, now Billy has a little bit of seniority, a little bit of confidence, and he knows that he can a- attack certain people in certain areas, and. That, that he's found their weaknesses. So that's made him feel a little more confident. That's what I think. That he can pick on Greg Cody and pick on Whittingham and pick on Jess and all kinds of well, stuff. Well, he can't, like he doesn't pick on, he doesn't, Greg doesn't know he's being picked on, which is the best part. 
Greg thinks he's being defended. No, this is this is one of those classic cases of you know how Dan always says you never know what's real and what's not with the show. That's one where I feel like it's staged. Like like Greg knows that when Billy does that, no. he's not being genuine, but no. he plays it off. No. Greg is way too much of a narcissist. He's a positive thing towards him, and he thinks a positive thing about him, and that is absolutely one hundred percent the case. I. From as somebody who has recorded with Greg before, if, it, if it's not about Greg, Greg doesn't care, Greg doesn't listen. As soon as you're talking about him, he is engaged, he's there. And I absolutely believe as soon as he hears a positive thing, he doesn't care about the context. He's like, yep, that's good. <laughs> oh, I do think he checks out of conversations for sure. I just think the Billy specific one is like, he knows. No. He's in on the he joke. Doesn't. He's in no. on the joke. No. Do you think that? Do you think that Greg actually ruined Dan's wedding announcement or not? Because this is a long, years-long debate on this show. Did Greg? Did Dan tell Greg about it and have Greg report it, or did Greg report it on his own? No, I don't think Greg reported on his own. I think so too. But this is a a point of intense debate over the years, and something that this. uh, But they then if it if it was real, why would they? Why would they? bring back into it if it really was a source of contention why would you keep going back to it and bringing it up and then sometimes feeding him stories and then talking about how you're feeding him stories and give clicks cody and blah 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 i think i think, I think you're it. right i think you are right that the first time it was like totally unintentional and then they were like oh let's see if we can recreate the magic of feeding greg cody news and getting him clicks and making it and into it's, content and instead like he's fucked it up multiple times yeah which like, is still good content it's just they're which, trying which to is recreate even, which is even better but if, if he's not micromanaged and directed and like produced he ain't doing it by himself no he's sitting there writing right. underpants columns i think i think you're right yeah the cult has decided <laughs> i vote morgan over duke Greg Cody has been fed. He was fed that article. NBA free agency is today. We're 35 minutes into this podcast. (laughs) And we are just going, we are just saying to hell with it. Yeah. Are you going to (laughs) carry? What? Kyrie is just going to be Kyrie and try. I like, for someone who thinks the earth is flat, how does he think that he's the center of it? Ayo, that wasn't stolen from Twitter at all. Ayo, oh, I didn't think, no, I just it's a genuine thought. Like, he every every chance Kyrie gets to make any topic or any situation at all salty about him, he does, even when he has no intention of leaving. Apparently, he just wants to show his ability to control them immediately. Like, oh. Cause you're a clown show, mate. Yeah, a little bit. No one's la- no one's laughing with you. We're laughing at you. We're laughing at Brooklyn. Laughing I think everyone's kind of past the point of laughing. We're just kind of concerned. And now we're just like bored. We're bored of you. Like you, you, here you are thinking that you trolled us, but we're just like we're not playing anymore. Like go away. The vaccine one is when we were like, we're not playing this game anymore. This is just who you are. Huh. Like either stay, go, dribble, talk. Like it wasn't. We weren't telling him to shut up and dribble. We were telling him to, like, explain your situation. Speak. Tell us why. No, we didn't get that. We just got fucking cryptic bullshit. And well, me, I would say I don't care, and we don't care, but we do actually care. And that's kind of I don't personally care, but like we as a society and we as a basketball media, not. I'm not part of this because I'm I run a rinky dink podcast, but like us as basketball fans as a whole, have decided this is something we care about. I think it's because I think it doesn't, I don't think it comes from a bad place. I think it comes from a place where we want to enjoy Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a great basketballer. Why can't we enjoy that without having to deal with all the bullshit that comes with it? I don't know. It's just Kyrie. Who, it's just Kyrie Irving, you and that's just, why we are annoyed, and that's why we're infuriated. Like, oh, call it, call it call it narcissism. Call it 
you it, know. It's not, it's, not to, it's not shut up and dribble. Like if you've got a cause and, and you believe in it and you, and you want to get your point across, like do that. But he didn't even take that opportunity during the, the restrictions where he wasn't allowed to play or wasn't allowed to He didn't even use his voice. He didn't mm-hmm. say anything. He's just, just he's abs- just fighting he was for just abstained for the sake of being a pain in the ass, and that's how it comes across to people. Because you're like, well, if you care enough, tell us why you care. Explain, like, use your platform. But no, I'm just gonna. Yeah, he's fighting for things that history will look very well upon and things that history will look very poorly upon. But that's also just all of us. Is that if you dig deep enough, eventually we're going to be fighting for the wrong things and. He fought for the wrong thing on the vaccine and was willing to give up millions and millions of dollars on that point and wanted to play with Brooklyn and also does really good work in like promoting black people and promoting, I mean, people around Women. him, but just, yeah. Women? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I know. I don't think so. I think so too. Like I was being honest, I was being true then. I think that's something that he does good things with. Like he cares, seems to care about community that sort of thing sometimes but mm-hmm. at the same time i i want if, if if you want to tell me that you care then tell me that you care don't just go into hiding and be like well i'm not going to explain it to you yeah and it's it's the part of like not showing up and having it constantly be in the news and then him being a dick and <laughs> all that stuff like I, that's just you know we know too much about Kyrie Irving now because we've dissected every part of Kyrie Irving and the free thinker idea and you know him and Kevin Durant are buddies with each other because everyone unfairly de- destroys Kyrie Irving and unfairly destroys Kevin Durant and it's like we're going to team up together and just say f everyone and create new media and call out everyone and just run an organization it's like okay cool i like the idea it just it just hasn't worked out the way we thought it would and that's they like they're like a heel tag team but one of them wants to be loved and the other one couldn't give a fuck. Oh, but I don't know which one's which. Is is because oh, oh Kevin wants to be loved. I don't think he cares anymore. I think oh, no, he, he used he, to. He, I don't think I no, think it's he, been beaten out of him. No. Now, now now he's at like he's gone he's going through the stages and I think he's like at anger now. He's like, you just disrespect me. Like before he was like, why won't you love me? Now he's like, no, fuck you. You don't love me. But he still wants to be loved at the end of the day. He wants to be appreciated. He wants to be talked about how he probably deserves to be talked about. But because of decisions he's made, that doesn't, in my opinion, take away from his greatness on the court. He's still great. And Which decisions are you talking about? For, for the decisions which people... Um, don't agree with not that I'm not saying whether or not he should have left. Her, I don't, what is what is he Oklahoma, honestly? Like, what is he over Russell Westbrook? Like, no one wants to fucking play oh, with yeah. Russell Westbrook now. So, like, anyway, like, he's so like, which ones make him unpopular? Is it the fighting with everyone on social media? Is it the smoking weed because we're still kind of uncomfy no. about that in 2022? Is it like, are you? I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you guys feel about that. It seems to be much more liberal than like okay there compared to here because it's not legal here and it's not, and well, yeah, it's not even remotely the same here as it is there. Oh, of um, course. So that's probably probably not something that I. It's not a culture I. I don't know how you guys feel about it as, as people, but. Um, yeah, it's probably different like, in I, Australia I, than here. Yeah, very. But, but where, from my perspective, like his decision to join Golden State, and then, and then like, like wanting the adoration to like he he wanted the love, so we wouldn't give him the love because he wanted it too badly. Because mm-hmm. he was, he seemed desperate. So people turned their back on him because they're like, no, you want it too badly. So you can't. Have it. And then and we broke him. Like, not we specifically. He, Kevin Durant doesn't owe us anything, but we kind of broke him. Like, all of the NBA media just kind of broke him by the end of the Golden State run. Yeah. 
this is just a dude who I think he gave everything he had to OKC. I don't I don't think they were gonna get any better with what they had where they were. Um and just like he's is he shackled there for a lifetime of not succeeding? Why can't somebody go and succeed? Isn't that what we want people to do? Like, he's not a martyr. Like, he doesn't have to stay there his whole life. Like, like Damien Lillard has to stay where he is. Or hmm. Bradley Beal about to get two hundred. Yeah. Why are we? <laughs> why are we condemning these people to a career of of disappointment? when this is what they've worked their whole life for and they, it's not – when they started it, when they started out, they played the sport to win, but they didn't play the sport for the financial benefits. So at the core and as an athlete and as a competitor, you want to win. So why do we criticise them for wanting to win? America has an overwhelmingly pro-management mindset when it comes to a lot of stuff, but especially sports. Um, like management propaganda seeps in, and the idea that you should take less money for the beneficiary of the team when the salary cap already enables labor to like suppress their wages. And America's kind of okay with a little bit of. I mean, this is because some of the stuff that Kyrie talks about, but like America is okay with being subjugated to the standards and like you should be happy with what you have and i mean this exists in all places i assume especially reading history but especially in american culture it's a lot of just accept what you have and just be grateful for it and i think that kind of rubs people the wrong way especially when someone wants the adoration but wants to do it in a way that isn't pro-management I think some people, a lot of people have come around on that fact, but I don't think enough people to like actually change the mainstream. Like there's a reason that Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith, when they're like propaganda machines for not just the NBA, but just like hating on athletes. Like it's, there's a reason that people kind of lean towards that beyond like, Hey, this is just the popular thing. It's like, why is that the case? It kind of stems from a general like susceptibility to propaganda and pro management opinion of america i think i think that's that stems from at it's called a jealousy like these people are, are doing what we've all done our whole lives as for fun and these people do it for a living and they get paid all of this money which is so enormous compared to what we do and we work so much we this is what people think that they work so much higher and they struggle and then these people just bounce the ball and play and that's like not what being an elite athlete is, but but that mm-hmm. is the mindset of people who don't really don't really care about what is happening on the court, but just as like from looking at the outside, like they play a game and they get paid hundreds of millions of dollars, they don't deserve it, and blah 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 blah. Like, but they, uh, but then they, they, they side they, they side with, but then they side with like billionaires. Mm-hmm. Because that that doesn't make sense to me. So whereas here, like we don't have a culture where it's in the sport that I follow most, we don't have a culture where it's very acceptable for players to really leave teams and go somewhere else. Like loyalty is something that we're sold, like that we mm-hmm. try to prop up. But like we want our players to be loyal and be one club players, and that that why like they don't owe us that. And whereas, like, LSU in, Tigers, <laughs> LSU Tigers. <laughs> whereas, like in rugby league, which is another sport that's played in other states in Australia, it's absolutely fine. Like a player could say mid-year that he's going to another team next season. And it's, they accept that. That's fine. They've got a culture where they're like, oh, well, he'll give us all, all he's got until the end of the season and then he's going. If that happened in our sport, like – that we wouldn't even play him. We'd be like, no, nah, if you're out, you're out, you're gone. Like loyalty is made to be this big thing, but we don't have owners though. Like there's no billionaire profiting off all of this. There's no mm-hmm. one. There's no one person that you can point to and go, well, this is the guy who's benefiting from all of it. So like there's that kind of club and yeah, culture and passion, but kind of yeah. like that college, that how that college football 
sort of fandom is. And yeah. But, like, still there's evil people profiting a lot of money off of that. Oh, Whereas but this here, is like, just a uniquely American thing. Like, yeah. the, the but, privatization of everything in America makes it such that if there's an opportunity to make money, private industry will find a way to capitalize on it. That's what capitalism comes from in that respect. Like America is just a uniquely, like we are very much invested in private industry in a way that the, uh, the rest of the world does not do. And especially in sports. Like rugby league, it's happened because like Russell Crowe owns or partially owns like a rugby league team. He saved it from being, gotten rid of and like our soccer teams here they're owned by some of them are owned by people whereas in Australian rules football the league owns the licenses and they're like Green Bay they belong to the members they're answerable mm-hmm. to the members board and that's, so nobody the game makes the money off the game and it puts the money back into the game and it's just cyclical like that but there is no even like the presidents of every club, there's a president of each club, and they're not even paid. It's a voluntary position. That, and, see, that's just unheard of because there's so much money at stake. Like that's just. But uh, but these these people who ha- have these positions are CEOs and uh, like very wealthy business people who take on or like ex politicians, like the ex premier of Victoria. He's mm-hmm. a, a president of one of the club like they're they're high profile or like yeah successful business people who become presidents of football clubs as like a stepping stone to get somewhere else probably in the end but mm-hmm. but it's not but, a paid position exactly it's the thing that people always want from american sports which is like people to get the teams and then um you know just invest their time and money like it's a like it's a like it's a job or, or not like it's a job like it's a side project like it's a hobby like it's something that you do to spend money on and spend time on and it doesn't have anything to do with making money but like all of america in the last 40 years it's moved towards increase shareholder value increase shareholder value how do you who are the shareholders they're private owners who are now all billionaires because increased shareholder value is the, the most important priority and that's the thing everyone's complaining about with Dan Snyder is like, if this were any publicly traded company, this person would have been removed from power years ago. It's just that because it's private industry, there's no accountability measures except for other private owners creating it. And all of a sudden it becomes this club of people that you can't be a part of and you can never possibly achieve power from, but that's probably the difference between sports in Australia and America. But it's also a very dangerous voice club mentality on boys like using that term but like that kind of mentality whereas if they shine the light too if those owners shine the light too brightly on one of their own who may know where the other bodies are buried like do do we put ourselves in a position where we stand to incriminate ourselves with something else because none these people are shady as fuck they're all shady as fuck but even the people who are doing it for your clubs are probably shady because they're ex-politicians or famous people or have an agenda, but they're at least they're not standing to profit off of it. Like, that's probably oh, a big absolute, difference. I, oh, absolutely. They're not, they're, they have nefarious reasons for taking on these roles. Like, the ex-president of my club who saved my club from financial ruin 25 years ago and and reinvigorated us and got us back to being the powerhouse. Um, he was ousted last year in sensational fashion when he was one of the biggest names in the game for a guy that is not a player, never played the game before, and only like started out as just a supporter of this club. He wasn't even a big businessman, but built himself up from nowhere. And he was a nuffy like me, just a an idiot supporter and trying to fix their car. Yeah. But he became like bigger than the game in some aspects. Like he was hosting who wants to be a millionaire. He became the CEO of one of the network, the television networks out of nowhere. Like he got this persona, like Eddie everywhere. He was just everywhere around Melbourne. And 
it all stemmed from him getting into this football club. He turned that around, he turned one business around and then took over media here and everything. But he still got ousted last year because he was answerable to however many members who didn't give a fuck about what he'd done business-wise because they weren't winning, so fuck off. And basically that was it. Yeah, but that's different priorities, right? Is it's This is the beauty of having publicly traded companies and having CEOs that don't stand to make money, which was the original mm-hmm. idea of corporate culture in America. It's, it just got tainted over 40, 50 years. And it, with sports teams in America, it's all privatized now. And there's you know okay. no measure of accountability at all. And So why would you want to be a CEO of a sporting organization who does have then that scrutiny, public scrutiny, when you can be the CEO of a milk factory or CEO of some other corporate business that doesn't have public scrutiny when no one knows what you do wrong, what no one cares about what you do, and you still earn millions of dollars, right? Because these people use it as a stepping stone to get somewhere else. At least in Australia, that's the case. Mm. And yeah. In America, it's now become these sports teams are destinations because they always increase in value. That's the, and yeah, that's, that's the end. That's the end game. Whereas here, it's not the end game. Yeah, maybe maybe eventually that'll change, but it, it comes down to like how important and valuable they are. And it's dumb that it's the case that those are the end game results. Like the, I mean, football so is by here, far. Yeah. They won't change here because they'll never they'll never be able to privatize the game because we've got 10 teams that are in one city that's that's a good point that's a good point so like you're not we if we didn't have equalization and we didn't share revenue and have the rich clubs pay for the poor clubs like we couldn't exist well we have a city of five million people and we've got 10 sporting teams that compete again like in an 18 team competition with 10 of them are in one city but I guess it's that's not not it's not viable, really. But because it started here, this is just what we have. I, I guess the unique thing with America is that now all of these organizations are all self-sustaining. And I feel like that's an indictment of how much money we spend on sports. But at the same time, it's like by far still the most expansive entertainment economy in the United States. And like we pay all that money because it's single-handedly keeping cable television alive and sports fans spend tons of money on games. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's interesting how we've reached that place because you've given them power and with power, they have chosen to create (laughs) accountability. They've chosen to create systems that can't take away that power. And we've kind of just let it happen under the guise of private industry. So how, like, just as an example, do you know how much a season's ticket costs as, like, a, for, for a football supporter? Like, what would a season's ticket cost for somebody to... Let's go? say for, for Collingwood FC, let's say. Um, I, I'm i going to go with... Wait, what, what dollar system do you use in your country? Uh, Australian dollars. Australian uh, dollars? I, I, yeah, I can convert it into US dollars for you. Okay, for how many games are in a season? All right, so there are 22 games. You play 22 games in a season, 11 11 home games and 11 away games. So say you got a a membership that entitled you to go to 11 home games. And let's see, one Australian dollar is about 0.69 US dollars. Nice. Uh, I'm going to say, let's go... 200 Australian dollars to go to 11 games. Yes. No fucking way. I'm trying to do the Stu Gotts thing of being a good teammate. Right. So for like the top level Collingwood membership, which um, in t- oh, entitles you to a, a reserved seat, so the same seat every week at Mm-hmm. Um, at the MCG, um, a reserve seat access to all Collingwood games in Melbourne. So I guess that would get you at 18 games, not 11. Oh, 18 play. games. Okay, let's say $250. We, no, no, for a reserve seat 
add to those games plus like guaranteed access to member to finals tickets well access to purchase finals tickets doesn't mean that you will get them but you'll have access to them <laughs> um is uh a thousand bucks thousand australian dollars what yeah that's nuts uh, maybe it's not that nuts because I'm thinking of it within the context of like baseball season tickets and that's like 81 games, but that's like you can get them for like a thousand or a couple thousand dollars. But man, yeah, but that's for, it. Tend, like to say if a thousand dollars, you divide that by 69. <laughs> so yeah. it's like 55, $55 for a like per game, that seems like a lot, but that also like it gives you that that guaranteed access to finals tickets when finals, like especially grand final tickets, are so hard to come by. That's what really you pay for in that bracket. But like just for a seasons a seasons ticket that entitles you to um, access to, which I've got one of these. Um, it's eleven games, and um, and and you can sit in. Any of these three bays, the three sections, just turn up and you can sit wherever you want. In there, it's three hundred and seventy-five dollars for that. Wow, that's just that's just for the seat. I then also have a membership with the AFL, and that cost me four hundred and fifty Australian dollars. So wow, about eight hundred bucks a year I spend on that, but that doesn't entitle me to. Buy that doesn't entitle me to finals tickets, which then cost additional on top. Okay, I mean, it's interesting how much that is because I, I guess it's like relative comp depending on the sport to America because you get such wild price fluctuations, but that's still really interesting. Yeah, yeah. if I was to turn if I was to turn up to the MCG this week and go and just buy like the ticket up in the nosebleeds or whatever, it's about. 20 to 30 bucks just to turn up to if there's seats available. But my team has the, one of the largest supporter bases and I would never, would never do that. <laughs> you would never show like, up in the nosebleed section. Or no, I would never just show up without a ticket because like, there are multiple games a year where it's a sellout where you can't get in. Right? Yeah, so you need we, to make sure you like, have a ticket. Yeah, like we've had two games this year where we've had crowds of over 80,000 people. Um, and so, like, yeah, no, I couldn't do that. So, yeah, it turns out that my 800 Australian dollars, AUD to US, would be about 550 US. For season tickets. I think that's kind of yeah. normal in that respect, but it's interesting so still. My, that's that's um, um, the membership I have because I have one membership through Collingwood, which is that five, which is the eleven games, and then I have an, a membership with the AFL, which entitles me to go to forty games for any team throughout the season at the MCG or Marvel Stadium, which are the two stadiums in Melbourne, and go to forty games throughout the season. So rather, it's like people who. I don't know if you had an interest more in just the game or not a specific team, or you wanted to be able to go to multiple games a weekend, then that's the kind of membership that you would want. Um, so I got one of those back in 2010 and I'm still on, I'm still a silver member. I'm on a wait list to be a gold member, which would then entitle me to guaranteed grand final tickets. But I'm yeah, 12 years in and I'm still not guaranteed a grand final ticket. I got to be honest. I forgot why we started talking about this. <laughs> no, no, just just talking about it. So I, I thought I thought COVID coming might kill off some of those people on the list in front of me, but it hasn't really. Okay, I, I forgot. This started out as a conversation about Kevin Durant and capitalism. I can't I can't remember how capitalism, we got to this point. Capitalism, and then we just because I wanted to know the cost of like seasons tickets because like I I went to a, a football game. I paid like. 60, 70 US dollars to go to a game, I think. I want to get off StubHub. But <coughs> I wasn't sure like, what a season's ticket would cost. Yeah. 
in the U.S., let's I, I honestly I'm not the best gauge for this, but if you're doing a baseball team, it's probably going to be, you know, close to sixteen hundred if you want good tickets. I don't know. But then you sell some of them because you don't want all those tickets. You don't want to go to 81 games. I don't know. It's, it's at least you have that option. We don't have that option. Our tickets are non-transferable. And yeah. Pe- but people do. But you trying to get caught. Yeah, you just like, you have to do it yeah. you know, under the table. Yeah. yeah, there's not like a reseller market where you can just put them up online or like a StubHub or anything like that. But yeah. like for, for grand final tickets, like if you – go to the grand final with the ticket and you don't have the membership that it goes with and you get caught, then that person loses their membership in the next year. Like it's all, it's a mess. But like I've been to multiple grand finals and every time I have not had, I've like scalped a ticket from somebody else and paid much higher than the actual price. But that's the, cost of wanting to go so i've paid like five yeah each time i've paid five hundred dollars for a ticket to a game nice and we've lost every time such is life (laughs) this is the life we chose Mm -hmm. as weird sports fans i don't know i just try and be frugal i guess so anyways jalen brunson 110 million (laughs) Yeah, so I listened to I listened to the show and I also listened to Bomani um, talking about whether he's worth it, whether he's not worth it. Was Bomani and, on Levitard yeah. or on Bomani's show? No, 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 no on Bom- Bomani's show. Michael's oh. I need to listen to that today. Um, but anyways, what were they talking about? Oh, like Bruce says that he thinks he's worth it, whereas <laughs> I think it was I think it was Michael Smith. It was just like, yeah, I don't know. But like, what is anyone worth really? But I think I think it was Michael Smith that was saying like they're going to have Brunson and Evan Fournier, <laughs> and Julius Randall, Julia, and Ju- Julie and Julius Randall, and then they're going to have RJ Barrett. Yep, so all making one. about eighty-five million yeah. a year. Yeah, they're, they're going to be paying them a hundred million. Well, maybe that was I mean that said that well, they they're gonna be paying between those four a hundred million a year. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like then they were talking about how like well the free agent market at the moment, like what else is there to get? I don't know. You could just not <laughs> it's the other option. Yeah. You could just how, not yeah. do that. How about how about how about you just don't? <laughs> Yeah, you could just not trade three picks and three players to give Jalen Brunson thirty million a year. You could like not do that. Some shit the Sacramento Kings would do. Oh god. Yeah, boring basketball but, talk. Uh, so I saw that. Um, okay. Did does Shaq want to buy the Magic? I don't know. Is that a thing? Mm-hmm, I, I don't was. think Shaq can afford the magic, but let's see. I thought I thought he like, put out the owners and said he, he, they're ready. They want to buy. Oh, yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Shaquille O'Neal is looking to own the Orlando Magic. Uh, speaking candidly, expressed that if the DeVos family and played a part is willing, he'd be down to purchase. So if they want to sell to us, DeVos family, we're ready to go right now. The message goes out to the DeVos family. If you're ready to sell Orlando Magic, sell it to someone who's going to take it to the next level. That's us. Uh, O'Neal has a net worth around one point, or sorry, $400 million. His reported price is $1.6 billion for the Orlando Magic. He just sold his home in Miami, so maybe... <laughs> I yeah, he lives in Atlanta now. Yeah. I thought he was in, he was in Texas somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so this thing says that New Orleans Saints um, season tickets going for prices as high as $1,207. But what is the lowest? I don't know, but that's still, you're only playing 17 games. Yeah, so and if you adjust that for so Australia. Eight or nine. 
If you just that to Australian dollars, it's even more. So it's seventeen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, no. Oh, that's a lot. And, and yeah, you're getting much less. Like you're only getting nine games probably. <laughs> Combined nine. with the fact yeah. you have to watch the New Orleans Saints. That would be awesome. Ayo, zinger. Even the fact you have to watch sad Jameis Winston and Dennis Allen, who only has sex and visors. Uh, you get to watch the return of Michael Thomas, Thunder and Lightning, Alvin Kamara. Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Seven wins. Collision course. Shut up, Kyle. I've got my, I've got a New Orleans Saints jump on today. <laughs> John Wall, huh? <laughs> oh, you're wearing the Saints jacket. Cool. Yeah, I, I got a yeah, I got a Saints jumper today. Just happened to be. Don't know why. I, I miss football. I think. Oh, don't worry. It's July now. It's close. Whatever. It's tomorrow, but it's. it's getting, no, no, but the, the football's getting close. That's good. Football's close. Football's a little close. It's closer than you might think. So much so that we can finally start talking about football instead of pretending like there are things to talk about for the last two months. Um, Mina did a season preview, division preview. I was like, God damn it. Is it that time of the year? That was last week. The fact that you're still doing one is pretty shocking. Yeah, um, like this week they, I think they went, they went through like one player for every team they thought was like pivotal or whatever. But yeah, like Mina's blatant disrespect to the Saints. What is blatant disrespect love. to you? Uh, like she, she, she's cold towards us. Yet, like she just loves Maddie Ice. It makes me furious. Oh. I know he's gone now from Atlanta, but still, I don't want to hear about him. She she likes him way too much. As long as the Saints can win four games against the Falcons and Panthers, they can make the playoffs. Yeah, but like <laughs> when we start doing, they went, oh. when they went through the like divisions, I was like, oh yeah, Bucks moving on. And I was like, hang on a minute, we just like. No, like, no. We're, we're not, not out. We're not out of the question. Like in mm. at least like at you're least more out of the question than like any other like, second place team in any division. Are we not? Like it's less of a competition. A lot of those other divisions have like multiple, like more than two teams that are competitive. That's what I'm saying. Like if any division you're going to pencil in a winner and like feel very confident about it, it's going to be the NFC South. Why? Part the strength of the other divisions, I guess. Part the Falcons and Panthers are just atrocious. So it's either going to be the Saints or Bucks. Yeah, so it's either the only Saints or Bucks. Yeah. Yeah, but but if given the choice between them. Runaway favorites that's so unbeatable. I mean, they kind of should be. Why? When our our defense has been so good and we've actually upgraded our offense this year. How? By, what do you mean how? Go by getting Michael our, Thomas back? Go and, have, go, and, go and have a look at our receiving core now. We by getting Michael him. Thomas we and Jarvis dra- Landry no. and Chris Olave? No. Chris, yeah, exactly right. That's the improvement rather than just having Alvin Kamara. Like that was all so. we had and we still almost made the playoffs with just yeah. Alvin Kamara. I think by the time we start doing football analysis in June, where I am, is the time that we got to start wrapping this thing up. It means we're out of shit. If we've turned to football in the middle of June, then we're out of shit to talk about. Kyle, we were discussing season tickets in a country that you're not in before. Yeah, but that's interesting. It is interesting to compare. Um, it's interesting to talk about our capitalistic overlords, especially in an America that's failed poor people at every single turn. You know what? Your Super Bowl tickets are an exorbitant amount of money. 
no it's stupid it's stupid how much i try so i went to san francisco and i just happened to be there during game five of the nba finals tickets were like eight hundred dollars each i was like nope spend eighteen dollars each and go to the baseball game so our luck the first round of the finals the first two rounds are about a hundred dollars each and then the third round, because there are four rounds of finals, the third round of the finals, which is the best one to go to, the preliminary final, that is about $200 a ticket. And then the grand final, it's about 380 See, but that's great that they suppress the prices for that. It's good. Like, even if a bunch of people want to buy it, at least they, that's why they get rid of the they secondary can't. market. Yeah, they, they can't buy it because they don't have access to buy it. They're not just available for sale. Like, they're... Mm-hmm only available to members of certain tiers and so and you can't just buy a membership like the week before so that you can get a ticket like doesn't work like that at all yeah because there's so many people that want to buy those tickets and so they could either raise the price or make it more exclusive even even though there's only like even though there's 10 teams in this state whatever the stadium holds because the Grand finals at the same stadium every year, no matter who's in it. It's at the MCG, which holds 100,000 people. They give about 50% of the capacity of the tickets to the clubs. So then they, so basically 25% to each club's members. And the rest is like all corporates. Oh, interesting. Who, so, you- so, so like it's impossible to get a ticket to a grand final unless you scalp it from like a corporate person who sold them on. Um, but that's why the best game to go to is the game before the grand final. So like the preliminary final, because it's all supporters, members, like it's an yeah, actual. Like, like the same atmosphere. thing as the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl never has fans of the actual team. So you, you the best one to go to is the conference championship. Yeah, exactly right. So like I've been to, well, I, I, maybe it's because we've lost, but I've been to multiple grand finals <laughs> and multiple preliminary finals. And even in the prelims that we've lost, they've had better atmospheres than the grand finals because mm-hmm. they're not. The people are invested and they care and like, but they're not. Like to get a ticket to a preliminary final, I, I, every time I've got one, I've had to sleep overnight out in public at a, out the front of a news agency to get in line to buy a ticket. That's You're how a I've crazy sports them. fan. You're a crazy sports fan then. But that, but that that's what the culture is. That's what you have to do to be able to get a ticket is to, like you <laughs> previously before that, when you had to buy them at the ground, like people would line up the, like during the week and put a chair in line and sleep in the line in the park. And like, and that was <laughs> just what you have to do because that like, that that is how passionate people here are about this sport. It's crazy. In America, we just do that for iPhones and Red Dead Redemption and Mike Shashevsky. No, we no. Yeah, so it's exactly like you. But like, I my friend, I, she was walking to work one morning, and I was in the main street of the suburb that we used to live in, sitting out the front of the post office where they were going to sell tickets in the morning. She walked past me at six a.m. when she was going to work. She's like, what the fuck are you doing sitting on the street? I'm like, well, I've been here all night. I'm in the line to get tickets for football. What you had to do. Mm-hmm. You, so can't, you can't rely on the internet. You can't rely on the internet or the websites working. I Like the evil spinning thing that will either let you in or won't let you in. So if you're in the line, you control that. Yeah, you'd sit in a line for nine hours because that's what the culture dictates. And then when they come in at 7 a.m., they give you a ticket and they say, come back. So you're number whatever in the line, come back and line up at 9 a.m. So at 7 o'clock, you can go and go to the toilet or whatever and come back and stand in the line and you've got a ticket. And hope it doesn't sell out before you get to the front of the line. That's pretty incredible. Sports culture is weird. It's a fun time. But the last time I did that, I lined up all night. So it's in September. So it's like spring-ish, but still cold at night. Lined up all night outside and and ended up getting, uh, I I lined up all night outside, but ended up getting the tickets on the internet on my phone as I was in the line. So I could have stayed at home. But 
couldn't chance it, so I had to be in the line just in case. I like that. I like yeah, that. And and there's a hundred thousand seats in this stadium, and you couldn't like pick. I wasn't pick wherever I sat. I just took whatever it gave me. I took three seats for me, my mum, and my brother. And as I was driving home, wrapped like on top of the world, and I got these seats. I rang our family friends who also support the same team. That was how we became friends with them because of football. And I rang her and seen how she went with getting tickets. 100,000 seats in the stadium. They sat right next to us. The seats right next to us. And like you couldn't do that again if you tried. Somehow that's where our seats. One in 50,000 chance. She, she they'd booked seven seats. We booked for three, and somehow we were in right next to each other. One in ten thousand chance, buddy. Yeah. Stu Gott's voice. Uh, incredible. But one in ten thousand. And we were massive underdogs and won. Fucking magnificent. Did you also lose in the championship? Because that seems to be the thing your club does all the time. Sure did. We sure did. We led the whole game, and we lost in the last two minutes. And then I cried and recorded a video of myself saying, this might be the worst day of my life. Oh, I remember that. Oh, (laughs) here you are unemployed and not crying the way you cried after your team lost a championship game in the last two minutes. Yeah, no, today's not the worst day of my life. Today's fine. Yeah, exactly. That that, That day was absolutely the worst day of my life. Gosh. I I had random strangers hugging me because I was sobbing outside the ground because I just couldn't go on with life. Random people coming up to me and holding me because I was sobbing. And you wanted to employ that strategy to fix your car. No, they were going to be fake tears, but I'd make them believable. Um, 